thousand feet up, breaking all the lights on the doors. And I ain't seen no ceilings. We came in through the top floor. Three oars rip right round your jugular. 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 Welcome to Feminist Killjoy's PhD in our feminism, politics, and pop culture, as discussed by two professional Killjoys. I'm Melody. And I'm Rachel. And today we'll be discussing lifestyle politics and how we participate in them and also how we'll critique them. Cool? That sounds excellent. We're doing a morning podcast this time. We are. We never record in the morning. (laughs) I'm a morning bird. I'm a tweeter. Wait, that I'm a tweeter and a morning bird tweet tweeter. Okay. What? (laughs) (laughs) I is that a thing? Like, do you tweet in the morning? No, I just it was a I it was a bad. I didn't mean to bring Twitter into the fold. I was just trying to say, I'm a morning bird. Tweet tweet. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I I like mornings too. Um, I prefer night times. Mm-hmm. I think. I don't know. I don't know. Um, where can our listeners find us on the internet, Melody? Ooh, they can find us in multiple places, such as Twitter. And uh, Twitter, our handle is fkj underscore phd. Facebook, you can just search for us. Uh, we're not on Instagram, but listeners have found us on Instagram, which I love. They've mm. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so people have been posting some cute pictures about listening to our podcast with cats. Oh, cute. Can you tweet? Oh, yeah. Oh, right. Sophie. Oh, my God. Sophie, you're amazing. We love you so much. Um, well, Melody's never met you, but I got to meet you and you're amazing. Um, yeah, we had we should find maybe we'll make an Instagram account and read and repost it or we can tweet that picture if it's okay with you Sophie because that was adorable no I want to make an Instagram account because you know what I do when I'm prepping for the podcast I take pictures of myself and then I put on Twitter and it's way more Instagram-y yeah so um, yeah okay so Instagram to to coming soon yeah we'll do that um that's where all the hip people are anyway so we should probably get on that and Snapchat but I'm just not I'm just not cool enough to stay up to date I mean I I do do some Snapchatting. If you're on my Instagram, I've been doing those uh, um, those Snapchat filter pictures, but um, I can't I can't keep up with it like as a thing. Have you seen those? No. Yeah, yeah. I'm on Snapchat too. I can't believe we're not Snappy friends. Mm-hmm. That's weird. I just don't use it enough. But anyway, we'll make you don't. Time. I used to send you snaps, and then you would never look at them. Yeah, be really <laughs> sad. I actually didn't. I, I deleted the, the app actually for a while. So oh, maybe it's not that I was it. there, but I wasn't there. So Well, I'm going to start snapping at you. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Uh, and then let's see iTunes. You can find us on iTunes or any of your favorite podcast subscription apps, excluding Stitcher. I still got to look into that. And you could write us a review on iTunes that helps spread the word. Mm-hmm. And we have an awesome website where you can see our episode archives and links to a bunch of different stuff that we talk about and if you feel so inclined you could donate a little bit of money to us to help keep our startup costs minimal and thank you to those who have been sending in donations i will send you a postcard soon cool yeah that's it 
And, well, and they can email us, too. Oh, my goodness. Yes, you can also email us at fkj.phd at gmail. Yep. Wow. Too many things to keep so track there, of. That's a ton of things, but it's, <laughs> we are a generation that can keep up with every single thing you yes. just named, so I have faith in our listeners. Um, cool. So, how's your week been? It's been good. I am sore because I went to... Um, a pumped class yesterday which is like lifting weights cool. so I'm really sore uh, but just good I was off I didn't work out for like a whole week because I was in Milwaukee mm-hmm. so it's just kind of off my game so um doing I did that I'm drinking coffee with my Drake tears mug and <laughs> I'm using this coconut milk powder so okay. Like, cause I have to go, I'm going to Guatemala in a couple of weeks and you really can't get like soy milk or anything vegan either. Yeah. So I bought this coconut milk in a powder form. And if you add water to it, it becomes like traditional coconut milk, but That's you can cool. just add the powder section. Like just don't add what, just dump it into your coffee and then you have, mm-hmm. so I'm just testing it out for the road. How is it? It's good. It's good. Cool. I mean, like, I just feels like I put coconut milk in my coffee. Cool. Um, so that'll be nice. And I've been having weird dreams about current events, which usually that doesn't happen to me. Mm-hmm. Like last night I had a dream about being in a wildfire because mm. we, well, there's those big fires in Canada, but also we have one up in Northern Minnesota mm-hmm. and the smoke actually, the wind shifted and all the smoke got blown down into Minneapolis. Oh, I saw that on your Facebook. Yeah, yeah yesterday uh... morning. And so, like, it was, like, I woke up because my room smelled like campfire smoke. It was really crazy. Um, but then last night, I'd, I had a dream about being in a wildfire. I was fine. Good. Um, but then I had, a couple days ago, I had this awesome dream that I was hanging out with Prince. It Aww. was so cool. And, again, I never dream about current events. But yeah. he was, like... He was, like, keeping an eye, like, kind of look, like, checking me out at a restaurant and then, like, left me a note mysteriously, like, that he wanted to hang out. And mm-hmm. I knew it was Prince. I knew it was him. It wasn't a joke because he wrote you, like, I like you with, like, a, just the a letter you. you. Yeah, yeah, like how he does. <laughs> right. Oh, and then he, like, found me on the streets and he was very tall because he had his high heels on and oh. he looked beautiful. Like, it's... Yeah. And we just, like, hung out, and oh. it was so nice. And then at one point, I like, he was a ghost in the dream, though. Like, I yeah. knew I was hanging out with his ghost. Right, right. But it was real. Like, it was a real hangout. Right. It was yeah, awesome. That sounds, that sounds nice. Prince is doing well, and he really wants to hang out with me, if anybody yeah. was curious. <laughs> yeah. Aww. He's doing great. <laughs> um. So, yeah. Oh, and then just as a FYI for our listeners, because we actually do academic work outside of this podcast, we submitted um, this awesome article we wrote about the Oranges, the New Blacks Instagram account and how they trivialize the prison industrial complex through their fan culture that they curate. It's a rad paper. So Rachel just submitted it to um, an unknown journal that hopefully it will get published in. So. Yes, we know what it is, but we're not going to say it out loud for academic reasons, whatever. Um, but, right, you know you know where I submitted it, right? I do, but I just don't okay. want to. I don't know. We probably shouldn't even say that. Because yeah, what if, probably, like, a journal reviewer is listening to our show and I then know. gets it and then they have to say, I can't review this because I know who wrote it. And I know. Because it's a blind review for, for journals in the academic world, so. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, we're excited about it. Um, 
yeah, it's, it should be cool. We'll let you know if it gets published, when it gets published, thinking positive. if, when. When, when. So, cool. how are you? Uh, I'm okay. I'm going to be, I'm going to be like kind of a downer just cause it's been another week where I've been working like a ton. I've picked up a bunch of shifts at the yoga studio trying to make some dollars for the next three months when I'm not getting a paycheck. And, uh, as you can maybe hear from my voice, I'm just like, I've, you know, when you teach like consecutive sculpt classes, like multiple days in at least, I think I was teaching, it's at like eight classes in five days on top of what? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Some that started at like six in the morning. I, you know, on mm. top of teaching, on top of grading, on top of all the things. So it's been, and it's been exhausting. Um, and all of my students, not all, but there are many students who, as is the case at the end of the semester, are very, very panicked about their grades. And so I'm mm. spending lots of time in meetings with them or on email with them trying to find ways to help them not fail and or saying, I'm sorry, you're going to fail and or like saying a B, a B plus is not, your life isn't <laughs> going to be over. You know, it it's across the, the board of the sort of like different cases that, that I get from panic students. But, um, and this is not a put down of students. Like um, there are many, many, you know, we, we love our students. Um, and I totally know that college creates this culture where your, you know, it, it creates this very stressful environment during finals. And um, I wish that it didn't because we would rather not have to do grade kind of stuff either. We just want to like hang out and help you learn about things and think about things differently. But grading is just part of it. So, um, so anyway, I'm just, you know, navigating all that. Yeah, I started doing this thing where, well, the bummer teacher thing I had to do this week is um, I had to email some students and just say, like, I'm not sure if you if you know this, but, like, I I gave you a best case scenario. And even if you get 100% on your final materials, like, you're not going to pass this class. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, our system at the community college, people aren't so much um, obsessed with getting A's, which is a nice change from other places I've taught. Um, the opposite problem is like students not really like being aware of where they're at. And so Mm -hmm. we have a early alert system where like every week we're actually allowed to submit people's names as Mm. to like, you know, they're in danger of not, of not passing. So with a lot of these students, I've already warned them, but it's still a bummer because like they just feel bad about themselves, even if they like chose not to come to class and chose not to study. It's just still like oh, I don't want to contribute, but I also don't want them to show up at their final and think that they're going to, like, squeeze out a C somehow. Like, I just want to be real with them, and it's just... Yeah. You, you know, because they're not coming to class, I can't talk to them in person, and, you know, I I just don't want that communication to have a super horrible negative effect on them. I just want to be real, so... Always a hard... Yeah, finals are always a hard time for, for people, so... Yeah, totally. Anyway, yeah, so not, I don't have any really fun updates, just kind of one of those just kind of more challenging weeks, but that's okay. Um, I, you know, really, I like teaching college and I like teaching yoga, so I'm grateful for that. But Has anybody um, asked you, like, do you get summers off? Does that mean you get summers off? Like, do they ever oh, use that phrase? Or- oh, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, 
Somebody just recently asked that, and I, like, literally just, like, started laughing, like, genuine, like, actual laughter, because, um, yeah, no, we don't, we don't get summers off. We don't have to go to campus generally in the summer if we're not teaching a summer course on campus, um, but in order to be an academic and get jobs and get tenure, if you are lucky enough to even be on a tenure track, you have to constantly be researching and publishing, and you have to be prepping for your next class and your next semester of classes, and I have three new preps in the fall, Yep. <laughs> Both exciting and a lot of work. Exactly. I'm super stoked about them. It's going to be like a really fun semester, but it's going to be a ton of work. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah somebody asked me uh, yesterday and this person comes from some means, you know, and uh, she's like, so, oh, so that means you get summers off. I'm like, it means uh, like I said, like, no, I mean, I don't work. I don't have any work. And she's like, oh, so you get the summers off. And I said, no, I don't have any work this summer. Like, like, I have to save up my money all school year to, like, make it work for right. the summer. And it's just, and there's right. even that divide at my school, too, because some people are tenured and some yep. people aren't. And it's not very clear because we all kind of do the same work, right? Nobody yep. really knows. And so, like, one of my, I don't know, one of my friends at school, he was, like, saying something positive about the summer. I was like, no, it's just stressful for me because I have to make sure I have enough money and He's like, you don't get paid 12 months. I was like, no, my paychecks stop in May and then yep. Yep. figure yep. it out, you yep, know? Exactly. So I've, we make, I mean, I don't know if the, usually people who make money all 12 months get more money too. So it's not like their paychecks are necessarily, safe. anyway, we don't need to go into this. It's a crap system. We can have a whole episode on the crap system of academia, but yeah, but anyway, I'll, be, yeah. I'll be okay. <laughs> I have rent money. I'll, yeah. you know, I make enough money to be able to put aside money to, live in the summer but it's just a yeah. summers are not fun for us teachers if you all were thinking that we're just like yeah. going on vacations and like yeah. <laughs> hanging yeah. by the beach so anyways we'll right. talk about that all summer I'm yep, sure indeed, so indeed okay let's um get to our recurring segment who's ruining the dinner party not us but yeah it's just keep the positivity rolling here um <laughs> I would like to say that the sports media, the mainstream news media, I guess, is like totally ruining my dinner party. It's not me because uh, we're coming upon the WNBA season and just I will out myself as a giant Minnesota Lynx fan. They're the WNBA team here in Minneapolis and they're like, they always win. They're like amazing team. But I was like wondering like, What's their roster? I haven't heard anything about their roster. And lo and behold, they had a draft in April. And I had absolutely no idea. And I listen, I am a news junkie. And I had no idea. And then I look up the WNBA draft. And it's like, there's so many news articles about it. Um, There's a lottery. And then there's the draft. And then there's the mock draft. And just like, it's all over, right? I like look up on ESPN as I walk through my school. And they're just doing like scenarios of how the draft could play out you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and so starts the season in which I am like continually super excited about the links and simultaneously really frustrated by the sports media for not Mm -hmm. covering the links um and WNBA in general and I think it's you know it's a chicken before the egg kind of theory that we could discuss But, you know, women athletes have a really hard time getting media attention, even if they're the most watched game on TV, even if they're better than all the other local teams. Right. And 
it really all it takes is for the media to come out and cover it and put the stuff on the front page of the sports section and cover yep. it a lot on their on their news beats and i just don't i still don't understand why they're not doing this because like in in minneapolis the links are so much better than the timberwolves the wnba yeah. the nba team here yeah yet they get like half the notoriety it's just right. Oh, it's like my feminist killjoy, like soapbox epic moment all summer. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, Ugh, yeah. I um, I I share that frustration as a. I'm not. I am. I am not a super fan of really any sports, but I do really um hate sexism, and I love. <laughs> I love. <laughs> and I do love my um. I love all my most. I love a lot of my my student athletes, which is something that you don't think you know the sort of stereotype is that perfect you know student athletes are like lazy and professors don't like them but I actually really like you know most of my student athletes and my my lady athletes or my women mostly women identified uh athletes who play for women's sports teams are they're just so badass and they um deal with so much shit and I see it on a college level more more firsthand and so yes so um you uh Melody and I were talking about wanting to maybe occasionally do separate interviews where we interview people. One one person does, and the other person isn't there. You um you should li- uh, interview Libby Libby Shero. We're the second time we mentioned her on air. Libby, um, I love you, Libby. But you guys can talk about sports much better than I can. So maybe you guys can do a show together sometime. <laughs> Libby <laughs> is so that. amazing that like straight women fall in love with her. It's like true. We have. I won't say our friend. <laughs> Our friend's name, our, our our straight friend's name, but um, we do have a we have we have some examples of that. Yep, I have multiple examples of people that yeah. are like, I'm straight, but wow, <laughs> Libby. <laughs> I hope we didn't embarrass her. Sorry, I hope that was okay to say. Um, She'll be okay. fine with the compliment. She's blushing. So. Okay, <laughs> she on. is very dreamy. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm blushing myself just thinking okay anyways let's not sexualize our friends yeah on air um. <laughs> okay moving on let's get to our topic of the day lifestyle politics um why don't you define that for us Mel? yeah sorry i'm going to be the chatty one this this uh episode uh so i was really interested in doing this uh topic lifestyle politics because both rachel and i kind of subscribe to this adage of consuming things uh strategically um so it's something that we both engage in which we will talk about in a second but first i just want to give a somewhat of a definition of what lifestyle politics is and i think the easiest way to understand it is this old feminist uh quote that says the personal is the political so every kind of every move we make in our lives is political versus seeing like our lives as separate from the political sphere. They actually come together very acutely. And one way that that happens is through consumerism, what we choose to buy or not buy. Um, So I was reading a portion of Dr. Portwood Stacer's book on this actual topic, and I'll talk about her a little bit more later. But um, she kind of broke down the definition. Um, So first, like the lifestyle, just thinking about how it's just a set of routine practices that we choose to do every day. So that includes like what we wear, what we eat, how we entertain ourselves. Um, But the, the lifestyle politics that everybody has lifestyle politics, whether they 
think they do or not, right? So if you go out and you shop at Cub Foods and then you go to Target to buy your clothes and then you get a car from your local car dealership, that's all actually lifestyle politics. But the ones that we're interested in are the ones that kind of stand out from the mainstream. So counter hegemonic lifestyles or alternative lifestyles. So you could think of like punks or goths or hippies. So ones that, you know, you when you see them out, they might stand out to you. Um, because these people, ourselves included, often have a pretty radical vision of how society should operate. And because we are limited living in a patriarchal... What's the... Rachel, give me the bell hooks. Because we're living in the... Uh, white supremacist heteropatriarchy. Thank you. Is all the words. Okay. Because we're living in that society, we're limited in being able to... Actually, capitalist. How did I forget capitalist? White supremacist, capitalist, patriarchy. There we go. Now you can go. That's important. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's hard for us to actually see our radical vision uh, unveil itself in our day to day. So the littlest, you know, so we tried doing it in small ways, such as, wouldn't it be nice if when we go to the grocery store, there's no plastic bags or paper bags and everybody brings in their own reusable bags, right? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, we can't force that change, but at least we can bring in our reusable bags and use them and then um, judge people who don't do that or <laughs> beat ourselves up when we forget. But, you know, so it's it's these small things that are part of a different radical vision of society that we choose um, to partake in little by little. And, you know, we're going to be talking about leftist radical visions, but of course, there's there's the opposite side too. So people who who choose to bring in their guns to restaurants and stuff, right? That's their radical vision of what they want society to see. So lifestyle politics is not necessarily leftist or radical in that way, but that's just the way that we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, if you have lifestyle politics, um, you know, like a lifestyle that is politically motivated, that means that you see. Um, the blending of the personal and political very clearly and that you think that, you know, personally taking on some of your political values um, is important to you and that you would prefer to live life that way. So um, so that's a definition. And p- kind of a subset of that definition is to understand this as a very neoliberal way to engage with politics. And Rachel, what is... Um, as to the viewers or listeners who might have forgotten our definition of neoliberal, do you want to just chime in with it? Like what yeah. neoliberal is? Um, well, if you want to go back to pause this episode, go back to episode three, where we discuss definitions of terms we use a lot. Go ahead and discover <laughs> our longer conversation about neoliberalism. Um, but so neoliberalism is actually discussing, it's, it's referencing um, an economic system, but an approach to economics and politics. But it's uptaken by critical scholars and other thinkers and activists and stuff to describe more generally the sort of individualist and um, market-driven approach to anything. So this, the fact, the way that that applies to lifestyle politics is because it's an individual choice that is related to spending money, right? Mm-hmm. Excellent. So, Thank yeah. you. So on that tip, there's this concept called commodity activism, which is linked to lifestyle politics. And this is a term that was uh, developed by Sarah Benet Weiser and Rupali Mukherjee in their book, 
which I will fully talk about later. Um, so they talk about commodity activism as individual actions that are seen as logical solutions to collective problems. So in the way that they talk about it, they're much more critical about this process. So it's like um, products that wanted to help people end AIDS, right? So then you could buy like a laptop that was red or a shirt that is red or, you know, a disman way back in the day that was mm-hmm, red, right? Mm-hmm. And then proceeds go to you know, X organization to help stop AIDS from spreading. Okay. Um, And so instead of us collectively getting together and ending AIDS by handing out condoms, clean needles, all these things that maybe could make a bigger impact, um, people choose to just, well, I'll just buy this red laptop. And then I know 1% of my proceeds will go to, or 1% of my purchase will go towards this organization. And so that's a much more individualistic approach rather than getting Mm -hmm. together in a group and collectively trying to solve the problem. Yep. Um, and this is also connected, probably more people know about the pink ribbons thing. So you go to the store and you can buy pink anything, pink hand soap, pink laptop, pink shirt, anything with a pink ribbon on it will be sent to Susan G. Coleman's foundation. Um, and even like today, there was the race for the cure here in Minneapolis. And I know that this is like a really touchy subject, right? Because like these commodities are being sold to give money to organizations that are trying to find a cure to end breast cancer. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So like, why are you like, please, can you not criticize that? Like we're trying, you know, people are like, really, you got to dig on this. Like we're trying to end breast cancer. But if you read either the book or watch the documentary called Pink Ribbons Inc. by Samantha King, Um, she breaks down very clearly why this is a problematic setup. And it's basically because very little of those proceeds go towards finding a cure. And she talks with breast cancer research doctors that say that they don't get the money to find the cure. And also that some of these corporations produce uh, products that lead people to get cancer that they have. So it's, it's a big mess. Um, And so not always is lifestyle politics, like a positive, wonderful thing that there are issues with it. And I know um, Rachel has some more critiques to share, but that's just one to get you thinking. Um, But I think it might be easier if we just uh, maybe talk about some ways that we do our lifestyle politics. So people maybe who aren't familiar with this topic can kind of get a sense of what we're talking about. So do you, Rachel, do you want to share a couple ways that you enact your lifestyle politics? Yeah. And I think your list is going to be a lot longer, partly because the critiques that you just shared and that I'll I'll share later, like, have actually meant that I don't, I think, practice this as much. Mm. Um, but I definitely, uh, I definitely used to a lot more um, when I, like, looked more like a punk and was really invested in, like, DIYing my clothes and, like, going to thrift stores, not, not buying anything new. Um, and I would, you know, make clothes and make bags and whatever, and try not to spend any money at like corporate change that, that wasn't totally successful. I would like do that and then end up at Urban Outfitters like a week later, but, um, but I tried, um, and I don't make clothes anymore, but I did for a period of my life when I looked more punk rock. Um, and definitely our veganism. Um, obviously we talked about that a little bit, a couple episodes ago. Uh, but that is, although... As I'll also discuss, as I'll discuss later, I don't think that it's 
creating massive change, it is incredibly important to me to not give money to the meat and dairy industry. Um, and uh, I feel, you know, very happy that I haven't given like a, you know, a cent to that in however many 12 years or whatever it's been. Um, so those are two ways. And I also, if there is a boycott um, at any place, I do my absolute very best to not shop or consume or whatever at that at that place. Um, so those are, oh, and then the last thing I'll say is I do, and I'm not amazing at this either, but I do try really hard to like spend um, entertainment dollars on female POC or queer um, uh, creative people. So singers, movies, um, authors, you know, whatever the case may be, trying to spend dollars supporting folks who are not straight cis white men. Cool. And I would add one more to your list, actually, um, in terms of your food purchases, because you can be vegan and shop at like Cub Foods or like a mm -hmm. big chain, but you like the food in your... I would imagine if I opened up your cupboard, like a lot of the companies that you buy from are smaller. They're not like big corporations, like with all your like gluten-free, you know, um, health health foods or no? Well, honestly, I don't buy a lot of food in packages. I buy a lot of, I mean, and like I'm thinking about my packaged food in my house and it's like my protein powder. My fridge is mostly full of like, that. I guess I buy like, yeah, I mean, I guess there are some small. I guess I try to do smaller companies, but you know, I shop at Whole Foods. You know that I do, but yeah, it's yeah. still. <laughs> I've bought in smaller companies at Whole Foods, though. Like I like if there's like because Whole Foods will have like the local thing, whatever. And you know, I shopped at the co-op in Minneapolis yeah. too. I don't have a co-op in Boston, but but thank you for <laughs> wanting to. I, I you know yeah I think I try. Um, I just don't have a ton of examples I can think of because I don't I don't actually buy a lot of things that aren't you know, things that I get in the bulk section or the veggie section or the produce section, you know? Yeah. But I think that's part of, part of it that you don't yeah. buy processed foods that you don't buy Yeah, that everything in your, like you could probably figure out where all your food came from pretty easily. You're yeah. not supporting yeah. big, um, you know, not factory farms, but there's like, there's like an in industry for processed food. Like that is a factory in totally. and of itself that totally. like you don't, you don't participate in either. Yeah. Yeah, so. and there's some things. Like, I always have chocolate chips in my freezer in case I want to bake something. And, like, I should investigate Enjoy Life, the brand that I buy more. But I think they're um, – I buy Enjoy Life where I buy the Fair Trade. So, you know, fair, I guess Fair Trade um, label is something else that we can add to that list. So, like, things like that, yes. Yeah, I mean, and Fair Trade is actually um, a very big – like, in terms of this uh, research, research that academics do, they really point to the Fair Trade movement as, like – a really good example of lifestyle politics mm -hmm. when you you can choose you know do I buy the fair trade coffee or the who knows where it came mm -hmm. from coffee how mm -hmm. the farmers are treated you know we tend to pick the fair trade mm -hmm. chocolate or coffee or or whatnot so yep and yep. it's interesting that you brought up like oh I used to be more but now I'm not um it reminded me of our professor uh Dr. Olette Lori Olette Mm -hmm. And she actually got me thinking about this, about the possibilities of not having to have such intense lifestyle politics, mm -hmm. because were you in the Foucault class with me? No. I, okay. I, no. So I took her Foucault class um, and I noticed that she'd always bring in a Starbucks cup 
right? Mm -hmm. And she'd always have on beautiful makeup that probably costs like a ton of money, you know, beautiful clothes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I always thought like, really? Like you're teaching us all this stuff and then you're going out and buying Starbucks, you know? And so it was always just really peculiar to me because I just assumed anybody who had X set of politics would behave in Y ways, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I was talking to a fellow graduate student at the time and she's like, oh no, no, you should ask Lori about this. Like she does not subscribe to that. Like she does not think it's worth it to, you know, buy these consumer goods as like a symbolism of her politics, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, like, I just didn't know that that was even a possibility Mm -hmm. because I'm like so obsessed with my lifestyle politics and Mm -hmm. it's, um, it's pretty exhausting. Mm -hmm. Can I share mine now? Please do. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to share all of mine because you have a lot. It's like everything I do, you know, like the milk, the coconut milk powder that I bought, I got it from a vegan uh, grocery store in Portland instead of buying it on Amazon. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like sitting in my closet. All of these clothes are like from a resale shop down the street from my house. Um, And a few clothes that I do have, like TJ Maxx is where I'll make my one exception for new clothes or um, down the street at Electric Fetus um, Mm -hmm. that sells like pretty much artisanal dresses. Mm -hmm. Um, So, God, there's that. Um, I do a lot of things like that I won't do, you know, like so there's lots of places I won't go. I won't shop at Walmart. Um, I I refuse to buy an Apple computer for a very long time, even though like non-Apple laptops are the bane of my existence and like cause me so much stress. Yeah. Like I just like, cause I'm the type of person where it's like, if you tell me that like the workers that make Apple computers are suicidal cause the working conditions are so bad. I like cannot then buy one. Like, right. But right. I finally broke down because I needed a computer that w- I could rely on. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well I'll just donate some money to a workers right campaign in China and to make up for it. And, yeah. Like that is where my brain goes. I'm not saying right. it's healthy. I'm just saying like that's where I'm at. Um and like you when you were talking about your entertainment, like if I'm at summer farmers markets, I try to buy from people of color. Um mm-hmm. and especially when I'm traveling, if we have options, we tend to choose people of color vendors if at all possible. Um and it's really just because it makes me feel better. I don't say, I don't mm-hmm. announce like, hello, I'm choosing to buy from you because you are a person of color. You know, right. it's like, cause that would be a little problematic. Um, but really like if I hear that a company is messed up in any kind of way that's rooted in sexism, racism, workers' rights, I like just cross them off my list. Mm-hmm. Um, so like there's a restaurant in town that is vegan friendly. They came out with an ice cream shop that has amazing vegan ice cream. Oh, wow. But I heard that like a woman interviewed there and the the owner was like a race like a sexist pig towards her. Uh, and then I was like, nah, I'm not going to go there anymore, you know? And yeah. I'm definitely amped up by other activists around me that are like, I'm not going there anymore. And mm-hmm. we all kind of, this is not great, but we all police each other as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Subtly, you know, yep. Um, yep. for better or worse. So, um, yeah. So then I like shop at the co-ops whenever possible. Um, I try not to buy. I used to buy a lot of stuff off of Amazon and I've really curbed my practice on that. Um, and then, yeah, I even do stuff like if I have the money, I'll buy like compostable plates and cups for like if my students are having a potluck like we do at the end of the year. I even try to do that. So I don't know. It's pretty all encompassing. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, you are, you are definitely a symbol of somebody who, you know, takes this very seriously, I think. But and I feel like, go ahead. Sorry. I cut you off. No, go ahead. You go. Okay. Um, women apologizing to each other for cutting. Off. <laughs> I mean, we really should be yelling at the men that don't. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, it's like, um, Oh shit. What was I going to even say? Uh, Oh, I think it's just because for me, it's kind of simple. Um, I think the laptop example is probably my politics screwing me over the most. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's like if I'm at the store and I get to choose this or that, I'm just going to choose the one that's more ethical, you know, if if I have the money. You know, of course, now the messed up thing is if you do want to be an ethical shopper, it costs you more money. Exactly. And I've only recently been able to afford like a little bit more than I used to in -hmm. the past, you know, Mm -hmm. but um you know, when possible, I just make that decision. And, you know, so going to the resale shop instead of going to Target, it's like, okay, it works for me. Um, Right. But I have disposable income. I don't have children. You know, I have enough free time where I can make the long drive out to the pet deli that makes me raw meat for my cats to eat instead of going to Target and getting the cheap cat food. Like I get why other people don't do my crazy crap but it's just because I have the time you know right um so yeah but I like how we're different I don't think I realized how much you like let like weren't as lifestyle politicky as me I'm surprised you didn't realize that I feel like um (laughs) (laughs) I you know you I don't know you lived with me you see how I dress I don't know yeah I just guess because you're so you're such a Marxist you know, well, this is the thing, though. I mean, can I segue? Yeah, go. Exactly Let's go. It. It's because I'm a Marxist that I'm not like that, I think. Ooh, um, do tell. Because Marxism is, or at least good Marxist critiques of things and sort of Marxist approaches to, like, social change, is completely the antithesis of individualist, neoliberal, like, approaches to um, to change. It's about organizing worker power and not buying from, you know, for example, Cub Food, which is the kind of, I didn't have Cub Food in Ohio, but like, mm-hmm. it's like a, you know, a super chain that as yeah. a poor working class person growing up with a single mom, we would go to chain grocery stores um, uh, and, you know, buy our food there because, all, you know, it's, and we had our working class friends that worked there. And, you know, we, you know, that doesn't make a dent in capitalism. Like me not going to Cub Foods doesn't make a dent in capitalism. Me not going to Whole Foods doesn't make a dent in capitalism. Like, these mm-hmm. things don't actually create the kind of social change that I think is important. Um, and I also think, so that's, and, and actually, can I, can I read this quote? And this is um, reflective in a, um, an article I found for this episode today by um, Emma, what's her last name? Emma Allen. Um, she says, uh, I think this is the right one that I want to read. Um, says a great deal of energy goes into individual organic gardening and other alternative lifestyles. So she's, she had already listed sort of the same things that we've been talking about. It bleeds away the energy it takes to organize against police brutality, improve working conditions, defend civil rights and build for revolutionary changes. Uh, The more what people simplify, try to modify their styles of life and monitor their carbon footprint, the more time wall street has to grow its gold bars as ice caps melt away, imperialist wars escalate and the majority of human beings become poorer. So it's like this idea that if we put all of this energy into like, oh, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this, 
it's, and this is not true for you, Mel, because you are also part of these organized resistances. Like you are hugely invested in like collective activist work. So this is like totally not a critique of you, but I think it's a critique of most people who like bring their reusable bag and pat themselves on the back and think they have done their revolutionary part for the, for the, you know, day. Totally. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, for me, like I, I just know it doesn't make that much of a difference. And sometimes, sometimes it doesn't actually support workers. So, right. for example, I remember another like really good article I read. Um, my friend Alejandro um, from a million years ago back in Chicago gave me this article um, that was called DDIY for Don't Do It Yourself. And mm -hmm. it was this argument that all these fucking punks are like, and it's not even just punks anymore. It's also just like people on Pinterest, like, you know, everybody like doing, doing everything yourself, like takes jobs away from like a union plumber or like the person who's really good at landscaping, who really needs money to feed her kids or whatever, you yeah. know, whatever the case may be. Like if we're all just like, it's this sort of anti-collective thing, which again, going back to Marxism, like Marxism is all about sort of like collective mass organized resistance not individual resistance so uh, those are some those are some sort of that's sort of my perspective politically um can i also say sort of pers some other like two little personal notes too of course this is your podcast girl <laughs> it's our podcast um uh it's also I'll, I'll just i think it's great that you're really mindful of like time and money because mm -hmm. i think like i shopped at co-ops more. Um, I still shopped at Whole Foods in Minneapolis occasionally. I, I did shop at Whole Foods, but I tried to shop at the co-op more because it was close and I was making crap wages in Minneapolis, but I lived with a partner and shared shared bills. And so I had a little more money to, to spend at the co-op. Now living in Boston, first of all, there's not a co-op. I, I don't even know if one exists in Boston. That's it's, crazy. It's, that it's is a, really strange. The city is, the city is the city. Um, I'll stop there. I don't want to offend any Boston, Boston lovers, but, um, so first of all, there's not one that I know of that exists. And even if it was around, it's probably in this neighborhood called JP, which is like literally impossible to get to. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm like really scraping by financially here, I have mm -hmm. to say. And so, you know, when I can get my like 99 cent Whole Foods brand chickpeas or right. whatever, I'm going to do that because it's like convenient. And it also, um, I don't have to, this is another thing. Unfortunately, I have to drive to work, but if I don't have to be on campus, I try not to be in my car at all. And I can walk to the Whole Foods oh, and I can't really nice. walk to any other things. So, um, it's like incredibly convenient. And for my like level of just like stress and lack of time, it's just like, it's helpful. Um, so I think that it's important that you mention that because again, like, you know, growing up with a single mom, my mom would not have been able to participate in the kinds of things that, that, you know, mm -hmm. that you, that you, many of the things that you described, you know, she wouldn't yeah. have the time or, or resources to do that. So, Absolutely. um, I could say more, but, but let's, let's keep talking. What do you, what do you think? I mean, what, what's your sort of reaction to that? Um, I was just going to match you with another personal anecdote about, especially mm. with the environment, because um, some of the stuff is implicitly about the environment. Um, 
such as veganism. But I remember when I was living in Milwaukee, I too was in biking distance to a Walmart, but I had to drive my car to go to Target. Mm-hmm. And I remember it being like a huge conundrum to me because it's mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm not going to support Target or I'm not going to support Walmart, but I'm going to get in my car and drive mm-hmm. just so I can shop at Target. Um, and like, you know, using your car is not what's more important to me, you know? And so right. I just live with these conundrums that <laughs> it's just like, yeah. if you could understand my brain. Um, yeah, but, but but so, but I think the question has to be like, does that so it's a conundrum because of how you're gonna feel about yourself you right right nobody else knows what's going on right and does it does it impact the people that i know the reason you you care so much is because you care about marginalized and oppressed people and the environment and animals um but does does that stress and anxiety actually you know, you're stressing and anxiety mostly because of it's like, it's a choice that you have to make about yourself rather than the actual impact on those other things. Right. Maybe, exactly. Maybe. It's an internal crisis that I've created right. for myself. Right. <laughs> That's why I, I was like, like, we're in a therapy session. <laughs> I didn't mean to be like, but is it really? <laughs> um, yeah. Tell anyway. me about your childhood. Right. How does it? <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that's, yeah. I mean, I think it's, I don't know. It's something that I've just accepted about my veganism, for example. Like, I would, you know, the fact that I know that I'm doing it more for me than for, you know, my individual choice to be vegan actually doesn't make that much of a difference. I would disagree. Okay. You said that earlier. And I would disagree because I feel this way about biking and veganism, that you are influencing other people to make that change, whether you know it or not. Um because I don't think other people necessarily report back. Like, did you report back to every single person that influenced you that made a change in your life? No. You know? I mean, I guess not. And so yeah. I feel like me deciding to shop at Target, right? Nobody knows that, that I'm making that choice politically. Mm-hmm. But I think being vegan, you are setting in an example. And other people with are going to think twice. Like, oh, yeah, my coworker, you know, she's vegan. Why don't I try this out? And it can have a snowball effect you know I hope so I honestly I really really hope so I think it does okay I I hope that I hope because I I would like veganism to be a help to end the you know the suffering of animals and the horrible ways that factory farms kill our environment and the mistreatment of workers I would really like people's individual choice to be vegan to snowball into a lot of people being vegan. But all that I feel like I've seen is more vegan products, more vegan things to consume. I feel like that has been the result. Mm. I don't, I don't know. We should actually, I'm surprised I've never actually looked this up, but are there stats that the, you know, more people surveyed vegan, that there's been a decrease in meat consumption or meat production? I don't know if that's true. Mm. Yeah, I think what's really going to, what really has more of an impact on the factory farms is people going to like cage free, like wanting to do local meats and local, so it's still supporting the killing of animals. Um, Right. But that was making me think, I'm losing my train of thought again, uh, which is also awesome to have during a podcast, but uh, (laughs) with, I was going to bring up biking too, because I had a friend, like a really good friend of mine tell me recently, like, thank you so much for getting me involved in biking. You know, I I don't have a car because of you. 
And I had no Hmm. idea, you know? And so I feel like we do the chain effect happens. And I think that's one reason why I am committed to lifestyle politics in that way. Some of them are more beneficial for the greater good than others. Yeah. Um, But no, you're right. I don't think that there would be any research that would support. Oh, the vegan products. I know what I was going to say. Sorry. My train came back to pick me up. Um, (laughs) That reminds me of the inconvenient truth. Remember that old climate change? Okay. With Al Gore for our younger listeners out there. Yeah. (laughs) Quintessential climate change documentary by Al Gore should have been our president instead of George W. Bush, but Mm -hmm. history lesson you could teach yourself about. Uh, I digress. (laughs) The ending credits of Inconvenient Truth, you know, it's like, okay, Al Gore, you told us our world is collapsing. We're with you. What should we do? And the list was buy a new refrigerator, get a hybrid car, replace all your light bulbs with the new kind that lasts longer. It's like, all of them were consumer-based. I was blown yeah. away. I was like, yeah. are you kidding me? No yeah. riding your bike. No get a better bus line for your community. So that, and it's that's like activism commodit- commoditization. Right. A hundred percent. Which is right. the similar thing with vegan stuff. It's like, oh, you're vegan? Okay. Here's eight vegan milks and 17 vegan yogurts. And it's like, that's not what we need. We right, don't need more crap right. in plastic containers. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, that's been the only effect I've seen of it. So, um, mm. but I sure feel better about myself. So, like, and, and I think just, you really you know, have impacted people. You just don't know it because people well, don't sure, tell but, you that. Okay. But I've impacted people, but have I impacted the meat and dairy? The cows. The, exactly. I like, don't and know. no, I don't think so. So that's, and so that's for me again why I, just don't I'm not as invested in in it because it's like well it's not going to make as much of a difference as trying to teach my students to hate capitalism (laughs) I don't know yeah Um, that's true remember that doesn't mean that you shouldn't like it doesn't mean that you shouldn't and like I you know when people are like reduce your carbon footprint like me being vegan I know reduces my carbon footprint more than most things yes um and so, like, I'm happy to contribute to that. But, um, yeah. Anyway, what were you going to say? I'm not sure, but I wanted to also add in the annoying fact that, you know, we'll choose to walk to Whole Foods instead of drive. But the thing that's killing our environment is all of these awful corporations and their refusal to get yeah. behind Clean Air Acts and, like, mm-hmm, people exactly. killing Obama's Clean Air Act and just these corporations that could care less about the future of our, uh, of our environment. Um, it was like that article I brought up the other week where like there was that chemical spill or chemical Mm -hmm, leak mm -hmm. that was like a million extra cars driving for a year. So it's like, all right, well, F it then. I'm just going to drive to the (laughs) co-op. Why? I'm sore today. Why? I don't need a bike. You know, if that's, if that's how corporations are going to treat our environment, then yeah. I mean, that is the best. I mean, that makes more sense. Like drive away. We should all collectively drive to these corporations and shut them down you know exactly that and that's exactly what i think is not you know and people don't want to do that because it's too hard right so it's a lot easier to buy a t-shirt exactly exactly so yeah do you want to talk about volunteer tourism really quick before we kind of move on yeah i think this will be something that we bring up later because um 
full disclosure, my partner in crime uh, is invested in volunteer tourism. So I'm actually, and he wants to do volunteer tourism while he's in, um, on his trip right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm, and I'll, I might be able to talk with him like on our podcast about it. So that might be a separate topic in the future. But vo- when I was doing uh, research on this topic, volunteer tourism came up as another form of lifestyle politics that um, to feel better about, especially white people. And I'm going to mm-hmm. call up myself out. You know, I feel bad <laughs> visiting places sometimes because mm-hmm. I want to see the real communities. I don't want to go to tourist traps, mm-hmm. but then you feel uncomfortable being in spaces that aren't for you. And so one way to mitigate that is to do volunteer work. So mm-hmm. to go down to New Orleans and help continue to clean up that city instead of just hanging out and drinking. Right. Um, but then there's problems with that because if the community that down there or wherever you go isn't in charge of the volunteerism, it turns into the white savior thing that we've talked about in the past. Yep. Um, so that is just another thing that maybe people don't see as lifestyle politics, but is definitely something to consider. But it's also a very touchy subject because people take this stuff very personally and they're like, I'm going to help. Like I, exactly. instead of sitting on the beach, I'm going to help build a house. You cannot tell me that there's something wrong with that. But of course, as academics, we always find something to critique. (laughs) We we sure do. But I do want to bring this back up because um, Jamaica Kincaid writes some really hard-hitting stuff about white people being tourists. And I want to think through that, um, especially as I'm going to Guatemala. And if I could just produce some more white guilt, I know that that would be most (laughs) beneficial to the world. (laughs) Uh, so anyways, yeah, just want to throw yeah. that out as a, as a thought piece, and I'll, I'll definitely come back with that on a future episode. Yeah, I'm really looking forward if I'm if it's just you and R talking, or or if, or if I'm part of it, or so I'm looking forward to being talking about it or, or listening to it because um yeah, it's definitely something I've struggled with because I've done a lot of I did they were called service trips in college, and I went to Ecuador and New Orleans and um, an Apache reservation in Arizona and all these places that you know my white ass wasn't from and, um, you know, helped quote unquote in danger quotes. And, uh, um, my trip to Guatemala was a little bit different, but, um, but I'm definitely interested in thinking through that because I do feel very, uh, yeah, there's so much to say. Um, this is definitely one of many, many moments that I wish, um, our dear friend Jesus was around to talk because he had some major thoughts about white people. Traffic. Oh my God. Can you imagine like him being on our podcast and just like oh telling us off? Like, yes. <laughs> why are you going there? Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh. yeah. That would have been amazing. Okay. Been amazing. Love you, Jesus. Love you, Jesus. Okay. So okay. Um, before I start crying, let's talk about academics. I just wanted to um, just say out loud some awesome books if people are interested mm-hmm. in this topic and then Rachel can... She's our web guru. Um, <laughs> link to some of these. I could also yep. help with linking. It's not a hard labor activity. Um, so the best one, and Rachel, if you don't know about this book, you would love it. It's called Lifestyle Politics and Radical Activism by Dr. Laura Portwood Stacer. But her analysis is rooted in anarchy, anarchist lifestyle politics. Cool. Which yeah. is like, did you used to, identi- would you identify as an anarchist at one point? Oh, yeah. Okay. I was very anarchist identified okay yeah, i love sure. anarchists shout out um yeah. then oh i know they're good they're good people and i just have lost that but i really yeah. support and give money to anarchist politics awesome yeah. um 
Then a more critical look at uh, lifestyle politics is by um, Benet Weiser and Muharjee, who I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. commodity activism, cultural resistance in neoliberal times. And these are all academic-y things, so mm-hmm. just just so you know that's what you're getting yourself into. And then um, if you're interested in this volunteer tourism thing, there's actually a book called Volunteer Tourism, The Lifestyle Politics of International Development. Mm-hmm. which looks really cool by Jim Butcher and Peter Smith. And then I found this awesome article in the International Journal of Consumer Studies. It just came out. It's called Growing a Lifestyle Movement, Exploring Identity Work and Lifestyle Politics in Urban Food Cultivation. Hmm. And that's really cool because um, that's all about growing your own food and how that, and it's, I think it looks to be a more celebratory look into how growing your own food in your backyard um is good for community development because, you know, there's urban farms where people come together and share Mm -hmm. community. And it's also a space in which abandoned plots of land get taken up and used for the good, for good, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, bringing in all of your critiques of that movement as well. Um, But that article kind of just digs into deeper into why that is uh, an interesting community movement. Um, and also when I was digging around for some research too, it's interesting, um, urban food development, like these community gardens, um, somebody made a really good point and I apologize for not being able to remember where it came from. So props to whoever had this smart argument that, um, so people can basically set up community gardens on abandoned land and nobody says anything because it look, it makes the community look better. The city likes it because it adds some... Um, creative class elements to it, you know, mm-hmm. so it doesn't get policed. Yeah, usually. Yeah. But other community things like creating a mural or community art or graffiti, um, some people would call graffiti, get totally policed and erased. And it um, somebody just made the the interesting point like, oh, isn't it peculiar that like, urban farms, community farms are not policed, but anytime I want to do street art, and bring my community mm-hmm. together. I need to get permits and it gets painted over if, if I don't do it the right way and et cetera. So yeah. Cool. Great literature yeah. out. Amazing literature out about this stuff. Excellent yeah, makes, summer reading. It makes me want to like teach a class on it. Me too. Um, yeah. And we're cool. smart enough to do it. So, <laughs> um, okay. So let's do what we're RWLing. Reading, watching, listening to. Would you like to um, start? Start. You want me to start? Sure. Yeah. Um. So I'm watching. Speaking of lady-made entertainment, um, I my sort of as I'm answering frantic student emails. Background. Um, television <laughs> is, uh, the second season of, of The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and the third or fourth, I forget which season it is of Broad City. Um, I would love to do an episode on either of those, or maybe we could just do a like lady made television episode because there's some really interesting things happening in both of those shows the Mindy Project also is something that um, I watch um, also lady made um, so I'd love to talk about those I won't say anything else because we're running out of time but um, I hope we can revisit those you don't watch any of those do you I have the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt on my list of things that I have to watch like will sit down and watch today okay it came, yeah. So let's do that but because I don't. Well, I've watched Broad City, but I don't have access to HBO. You don't. It's on Hulu. I don't have access. I, I just have Netflix. Is it free on Hulu? It's free on Hulu. Well, I I buy. I have a Hulu sub pass. See, I have a. I only have a you Netflix can, class. 
Okay. Okay. We'll t- we'll figure it out. Okay. Hey, listeners, if you have a free way to watch, that, <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, down with the illegal way too. So yeah, just yeah. <laughs> let me know. Um, I can also yeah, I can give you my holy password. We'll figure it out. Um, okay. okay. It's probably so cats we'll- are the best one two three. <laughs> so I already know it. Right. Exactly. Okay. Um, <laughs> so what am I reading? Mostly student papers. Um, okay. uh, I'm a couple pages into this book, The Argonauts, which I'm already super jazzed about. Um, and I can't wait to, I, I did this trick to make sure that I actually fucking sit down and read this book. I got it from the library at my school where I'm not going to be like the last day I'm going to be on campus is May 22nd. So I have to finish it before Dang. May 22nd because I have to return it to the library. So, um, so I'm totally going to, after I'm done grading, I'm just going to like take an actual break and read and like, here's my plan. I'm going to go to a cafe alone. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read a book and I'm going to drink a glass of wine in the middle of the day. What? I've never done that. That's amazing. I'm going to do it. That is one of my goals for after getting grading done. That's an excellent goal. Okay. I'm saying it out loud to hold myself accountable. Finally, what am I listening to? Um, this song called Your Best American Girl by this band Mitski. Um, and it's fucking amazing. The video is really good too. It's so good. Um, everybody should listen to it. Uh, it's a woman, I think also a person of color, if I'm correct. And, uh, that's that. What are you RWLing? Um, I never let myself watch TV as a, uh, treat to myself cause I'm a workaholic. So, mm-hmm. um, that's bad. So I'm forcing myself, like my therapist, like forces me to like She's like, go home and watch Netflix now, okay? (laughs) So I'm really like, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt will also also be a form of therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, So I will watch that. Um, I did watch Saturday Night Live, and Drake is going to be on next week's Saturday Night Live. He's hosting and performing, and the last last time he did it, it was hilarious, because he's an actor by trade. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And he just... Forget. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. I'm reading this book called The Redesigning the Community College because I signed up to go to a retreat at my community college to talk about re envisioning the community college. Cool. So but and then I also was decluttering my um papers last night as part of that uh, as part of that book that I mentioned a few weeks ago about life changing blah 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 tidying up Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I ran into a draft of my old of my thesis introduction about suicide girls and community and how they foster community and it was like pretty good (laughs) it's like all right Uh (laughs) 2006 melody bringing it um also made me realize how like every project I do the the core of it is community like I just really yeah, cool. like talking about community and I'm thinking like I need a brand in academia academia you have to like brand yourself now because yeah. because yeah. ugh. and so I'm yeah. thinking like community <laughs> I'm gonna community. do something with that community thing um yeah that's cool bliggity blah um listening to it's my student paper season and they all do stuff on media so I often like listen to the songs that they analyze um yep and one of my students is doing this awesome project on strong women in country music. Cool. And so I've been listening to Kitty Wells. Um, she was the one, have you ever heard? It wasn't God who made honky tonk angels. Do, do, I don't know, know that song. song. Oh, I'll have to send it to you because it's like an F you okay. to men song. Like uh-huh. they get all the credit in the country music industry mm-hmm. and the women do all the awesome work. Yeah, there's some badass country ladies, that's for sure. It's, yeah, and she was 
popular in the 50s and she even sang it on TV and anyway so I was like I need to get I need to I hope my student gives me like a good list of like old school country tough ladies to listen to yeah that's awesome I'll hail Dolly Parton and she's on tour this summer oh cool yeah Um, oh I also bought tickets to Blink 182 (laughs) (laughs) that doesn't surprise me for like a millisecond that's one of the first things I remember about you like I feel like I saw like a Blink 182 like CD case like the first thing in your room that I saw when you were unpacking (laughs) you're like who is this girl oh god yeah and I got really I'm gonna go with with my um BFF in Milwaukee Mm -hmm. and we got really close seats um because we're adults and can now afford something stupid like that please don't judge me no, I won't. oh no. lifestyle politics not in action right. um and also i was like well if i spent x amount of money for drake seats right for way in the back i can spend half to get like basically front row tickets to yeah. see my favorite college band totally, oh my totally. god so anyways that was a uh, that's me yeah. i'm fully well, honest fun. with y'all here i love it i love it on fkj so i think that's it for today right yep that's it all right, all right. wtf oh power <laughs> bye bye as i listen to the words you are saying it brings memories when i was a crust white it wasn't god who made home You say